0: This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host,
1: Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host,
0: Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 69 of the podcast where we bring you inside to the aviation career and take a look at the exciting careers in aviation, all sorts of careers, piloting, flight attendants, mechanics, and uh, today I'm really excited because we have another question and answer session. I know a lot of you folks have been writing in questions, and boy, my my summer gets really busy because the people I work for, well, that's where they make most of their money is actually during the summer. Thank God things are the summer's coming to a close, and I have a lot more time to record more questions, answers, episodes. I have lots of interviews lined up and uh, but today I have with me Tom Wachowski. Tom Wachowski is uh, he's from the Private Jet Podcast, and also has been a, a host here on Aviation Careers Podcast. Welcome, Tom. Hello, Carl. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're having some fun here. We uh, we're just talking beforehand and talking about the weather of all things. I actually am in sunny Florida, and Tom took a look at the radar, and boy, we've got some big thunderstorms moving through here. That's for sure. One of those things about uh, aviation is you, you always look at the weather, even when you're not working. I find yes. I do that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, well, welcome to the podcast, Tom, and welcome the listener, you, uh, to the podcast. I have some, some really exciting uh, questions and some really good uh, things to talk about as far as scholarships and things like that. So so we'll we'll get started here. The one scholarship, uh, just a just a real quick uh, note. We have a whole big scholarships guide out there and uh, aviation scholarships guide or go to mm-hmm. aviationcareerspodcast.com and check out the scholarships guide. And you can look at the first 60 for free. Uh, but if you want to actually see all the scholarships, uh, you, you become an annual member. Annual member you can either pay up front in, for one year or you can pay monthly. Right now the monthly rate as we record this is only five dollars a month and that gives you access to every one of the scholarships. We're almost at a hundred that are on the website. We actually had four hundred more to add and we came out with another two hundred so we're about six hundred (laughs) now that we're adding to the website and uh, Russ uh, who's actually part of the team here he's been putting those out on the website doing a really really great job. Uh, Again sorry for the the delay on some of these but uh, like I said I I was flying boy I did uh, eleven days straight of flying and it was just crazy all over the place. Uh, did a lot of red eyes, that type of thing. Uh, you know, airline flying is a lot of fun, but uh, sometimes it can get really, really busy. The uh, scholarship that I was going to mention is the Fly Now Award. The Fly Now Award is actually a scholarship that's, uh the associate members of the 99s can actually apply for. And it's, it's needs-based, uh, so you have to have a financial need. And it can be up to uh, $3,000. We'll have a, a link to that. Uh, the Fly Now Scholarship on the on the website there. So go to com slash 69 for that. Also, uh, I do get questions from folks asking how they can contribute. Uh, if you want to contribute, uh, I'd ask you to maybe think about doing an annual membership, either at $5 a month or we have a discount of $10 at $50 a year. The other neat thing that we're doing, and if you've seen some of the emails and you signed up for our email newsletter, which I, I highly suggest, is that we've been coming out with a lot of videos. Part of the membership, you also get all the courses, like the the Practical Guide to Winter Flying, the Pilot Jobs book, which Tom Wachowski put together. Yes. And, and that is an awesome tool. And all these other seminars that I've been doing, what I've been doing is I've been recording them, mm-hmm. and I'm sharing those seminars with you online. If you become an annual member, you can listen to all those. Good examples are uh, I'm doing a seminar soon about let's see, uh, single pilot IFR, and this is for the pilots, um, single pilot IFR, uh, I'm also doing uh, flying safely in the summer, thunderstorms, hazards, and avoidance, and next gen, you'll want to see that one, it's pretty cool, because I got to do uh, the actual certification flight on the Airbus A320 for uh, ads in and out. And those terms are kind of foreign to to some of you folks. But uh, I explain a little bit about uh, the next generation of of air traffic control there. So I'd appreciate you taking a look at that. And also uh, another way to contribute is just visit our our sponsors. They're all there on the right side of the, the screen. But anyway, on to the show. We have some really, really interesting questions here, uh, and we'll just jump right into them, because it's going to be a kind of a long show, so you may have to hit pause. Uh, if you're uh, driving in the car, this might take two, maybe three commutes uh, before oh, it's, you... <laughs> it's a long
1: cross-country. <laughs> it's what a we're real doing today. <laughs> long
0: cross-country. Speaking of long cross countries, Tom, you know, uh, can you share some of the kind of cool flying you've done lately? There's something really interesting happening?
1: Yeah, th- just this week, actually, I had a flight that I never thought I would have, uh, so... I, you know, I originally from Michigan, I spent my summers, uh, time during my summers growing up on Lake Superior up in northern Michigan. And I was just back there a couple weeks on vacation. But the problem is I, there's not a lot of air traffic up there. It's kind of close to Canada. There's just not much going on. And I thought one day it sure would be cool to fly over the area, uh, but I'll never get to do that because there's no need for us to be that far north. Well, this past week we had a route From the East Coast all the way to the Northern West Coast, which took us right over where I've spent significant time every year of my life. So I got to see the whole area from 38,000 feet. And I will tell you, that was a highlight of my entire 20-year career just this week. That's awesome. Did you take pictures? Oh, yeah, you cool. bet. Awesome. Maybe, maybe and, you could share some of those with us. Maybe we'll Yeah, I can, uh, I can definitely send those yeah, over. let's and, do that. Uh, so,
0: so if you get a chance, go to AviationCareersPodcast.com slash
1: 69, and Tom will have maybe one or two photos we'll share yeah. on the podcast. That is so cool, Tom. That, yeah, that was really neat. And my parents spend their summers up there, so they went out on the porch and looked up, and there I was flying over. <laughs> cool, cool.
0: Awesome, uh, so that's great. Good news that you had some fun flying. By the way, I have a lot of fun flying, and you know there' some of these questions uh, they're gonna get a little pointed about uh, the flying and the, the types of jobs and some of the challenges. So I will share some of the things that are, are good and not so good uh, about my job, so or their challenges. I should say. I don't like to say negative too much, but uh, there are challenges in anybody's job. doesn't matter what that's you right. Do. it's right. Yeah. It's just the way life is. Uh, the first question that we have, though, Tom, let's jump into that one. It's really interesting because this came from a, well, there's this online forum. It's Quora, Q-U-O-R-A. You know what? We'll, we'll get a link to it. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, there's somebody that asked a, a question about uh, careers and what to do and uh, and what they might, you know, want to listen to or or what way they can, you know, get into Aviation careers and what they should do now. But this one's a, yeah, this one here, let's see, here it is. It says, I'm an aviation enthusiast and I wish to go to flight school in 12 months' time. What can I do right now to pre- prepare me for flight school? Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to answer that question by somebody else's answer online. Uh, he said that uh, this person here uh, said, and it was an anonymous one uh, from a person and said, hey, you know, go online. Uh, AOPA's website is really good. I have to agree with that. They have some great things, a lot of good content. Uh, also, uh, he suggested listening to aviation-based podcasts, which have uh, great content for people wanting to fly as a career. Uh, one of the things he suggested is listen to our podcast, Aviation Careers Podcast, first, and select the what best suits your situation. And what he means by that, if you go into we, – we have a new uh, tab on our website, by the way, called Past Episodes. And if you go over there, you can select the things that interest you the most. Of course, you can just go to iTunes and subscribe, and if there's an episode you're not interested in, you can just swipe through it or say that you've already listened to it. For instance, if you're a pilot, you're interested in becoming a pilot, we have lots of interviews, uh, like the interview I just did with the pilot that's flying in China, also the uh, the Bush pilot down in uh, Papua, Indonesia, and some other really interesting flying, like the gentleman that flies in down in the Sinai Peninsula. There's just some of the recent ones. So those are the ones you'll want to listen to. But say you're not interested in flight attendants, and you're not interested in becoming a mechanic. And when we do those interviews, you might want to pass those. But here, I, I do tell you one thing, though. You should probably listen to those for this reason. Is that, you know, career advice is career advice. The things that we talk about here are, are you could just take this and maybe not p- plug in aviation, but computers, or or becoming, you know, a surgeon, etc. Something that's really technical. Uh, a lot of the advice we give, you can you can apply throughout every industry. Don't you agree, Tom?
1: I would agree with that, yeah, you know, because at the end of the day, it's people involved, and so how we handle, how we prepare, and how we deal with the people in any industry is not too far off, no matter the industry. Right,
0: I, I agree with that. So that was a great question. Uh, it, I'll put that post out there, and there's some real good online discussion there as far as, uh, you know, what what's available, and this is, by the way, these questions are everything, uh, this website. So it's pretty interesting. I know I've said in the past, and I still uh, agree with this statement, is you be very careful about some of the forums. Uh, there's some forums out there that become very, very negative. Uh, airlines all have forums. Uh, every place online has forums. You get a lot of negativity. It seems like, you know, online a lot of that stuff does come out. Some of it may be true, but you have to filter it. You really have yeah. to filter out what, what they're saying. Uh, you know, I, I did the experiment the other day. I went onto a forum online for the airlines, and there was a news item came out. Real good discussion for about two posts, and all of a sudden it just went off track, and uh, just really some vitriol and some incredibly, really bad things said in bad taste. So be careful, um, because there's some people that are are really, you know, not very happy with their jobs, and uh, you know, maybe I was going to, you know, explain this later, but a lot of airline pilots that are super senior are not happy because they can't do what Tom can do. Tom can change his job, and he'll probably wind up making the same amount or more money than he's making right now because he's a corporate pilot. But somebody who's in the airlines, if they change jobs, like say I go to another airline, I'm starting all over again. And say you're at an airline 15, 20 years, and you're a senior captain making really good money. Uh, say, you know, say you're know, say you making $150, $200 an hour. All of a sudden, you got to go back to making 50 bucks an hour if you change airlines. That's tough to take. And and that's why they feel trapped. Because
1: the golden tom, handcuffs
0: Exactly, Tom yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you set it up and have you Hit it out of the park That was wonderful <laughs> it's, it's true it's, it, You do get those golden handcuffs It's different than the corporate world And a lot of these questions that came in For people from the corporate world You cannot change jobs in the airline industry And make the same amount of money Unless you're going into management That's Or, or some other type of position That just doesn't really happen You know, flight attendants You start at the bottom All these jobs that are seniority based it's You start over So just just want to make that quick point. Moving on to our next question, though. Um, this person is... Paul asked a question. He writes in. And by the way, if you want to ask a question, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash contact and just use that contact form or feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast. Paul asks about an aviation career for those 60 and over. Paul says, well, I'd love to hear a discussion about aviation career opportunities for those guys who are older than 60. Seems as though that all the scholarships and show segments are geared towards the younger generation. Thanks, Paul, uh, for that question. Uh, we do want to discuss more about people that are that are a little bit older. We've had a few. You have to go back a few sessions to to the discussions about older pilots. A good example would be episode three, uh, which talks about becoming a successful part-time flight instructor. Uh, also, episode eight, and uh, that's another one that, that was pretty interesting about combining a flying career with another career. And then episode 14, which was with Tom Wachowski about business and private aviation, because uh, those are things that that
1: aren't truly age-specific, correct, Tom? That's correct, yes. And one thing, as you spoke there, Carl, with regard to um, the wiser generation is uh, – and, and I'm not sure if Paul's question is from the standpoint of going out to have a second career and, and earn income or from trying to just stay busy after a career – But what pops into my head is mentoring. I can think of how so many times where mentors in my career got me, you know, helped me cross bridges where I just couldn't see clearly to the other side. So, something for him to think about there. Yes. Good point, Tom.
0: You know, concerning the scholarships he talked about, you know, in general, scholarships are the majority are focused on younger people because they're going to college, et cetera. And it's very expensive. Uh, Flight training, it's a technical skill it's uh and and this is i'll give you a little background here what normally happens with a scholarship i i do i help people form scholarships and i was writing up one yesterday and we the first thing out of the person's mouth was i want to help uh the younger people get ahead and i think that's terrific Uh, but what i told them is that let's think about everybody let's think about including uh, scholarships for people of all ages, because this is the problem. If you're older and you're wanting to change careers, a lot of times there's there's not a scholarship available for you, but there may be. I mean, Tom had a friend that uh, went out and looked at a scholarship through MBAA, the National Business Aviation Association, and through his local tribe, and it was non-age specific and was able to get that. It is a challenge, though. I will tell you that. It's a challenge to get a scholarship that at a later date at, for continuing education, because many of them, I'd say probably eighty percent that I see, uh, are usually for people that are younger, people that are in high school, college, etc., and that makes sense because most people. I would, I mean, if if in the beginning before I started doing all the scholarship stuff, that's all I thought there were scholarships for was younger people, I and mean, if I was going to write a new scholarship, that's what I would think of doing, and so therefore we we have more scholarships for those those people. I actually am in talks with quite a few different people about scholarships that are non-age specific, non-race specific, not gender specific. Everybody can apply for, uh, for them. And there are, they are out there, and they're, they're in organizations you'd never think of. Uh, like the Women in Aviation have scholarships that are non-race or age or gender specific. So I'd really encourage you to look towards those. But, yes, most of the ones on the website are that way because of the fact that that's just the way the scholarships are. That's the way they are in general. so you you're not going to really get around
1: that and and you know what else? on his question, he had mentioned career opportunities for older people. And uh, you know, without really knowing much of his background, you know the first thing that comes to mind, you know, there's all kinds of sales opportunities in aviation, from selling avionics to selling airplanes to selling charter time to I mean, and that's a great way to be in the business or the corporate or the airline aviation environment. And also consulting. I mean, there's a lot of firms out there who are trying to help other business aviation units, other units within airlines accomplish goals, meet objectives, but they're just not sure how. And someone, you know, 60 plus has a lot of wisdom they could bring to those different scenarios and possible careers in aviation. Might not be flying, uh, but there's lots of opportunities there as well.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Tom. You know, in, in a previous business about 20 years ago, I owned a business where I was hiring people and I never ever thought about the age. Uh I hired people that were above 60, had uh, about 3 people above 60 doing work yeah. for me and it never crossed my mind. Uh I never thought about hey can this person do that, etc. Right. And and they turned out wonderful. I mean you, you I know that there's probably a lot of age discrimination that goes on out there. Uh but somebody who understands the wiser generation like you said uh, understands that those people have a lot of experience. Experience is incredibly important. You know, a 23-year-old coming out of college that has a degree in something as opposed to a 65-year-old person that has many years' experience in the same industry, uh, you might want to look towards a person that has a lot of experience in that industry. And we're not just looking at age. We're just uh, looking at the fact that they have a lot of experience. Right. So, uh, it, And I understand what he's saying, though. I mean, it, it really yeah. it is a concern, I know, to a lot of people. and I tell you, I hear it at work, you know, obviously I won't name any names, but people say, hey, listen, oh, that person's too old, blah, blah, blah. I tell you what, you know, it... it, I see over 60-year-olds running down that aisle, especially flight attendants, you think they can't handle it. But you know what? They're in better shape than some of the younger folks. So yeah. you, you can't say that. It, it, doesn't, it, it all depends on the situation. Uh, you know, we look at f- a, a good example is firemen. There's a lot of females out there that are, are, are strong, that can pass the test, and, and can ha- pass the same standards. You know, people say, hey, wait a minute, you know, I, I don't want a, a female firefighter coming to save save me. I said, yay. You know, those girls out there that
1: they they they're a lot stronger than I am. You know? Yeah. I, I you and know, you, so does it matter what age or sex they are, you know. Yeah, and your see. opinion might change as your room fills with smoke. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and you know, 60's the new forty, Carl. Yeah, oh, thank
0: God. <laughs> Oh God, I'm really feeling old today. So I'm glad you said that. <laughs> uh, I was just, ve- you know, I was very frustrated at the fact that I couldn't do what I used to do when I was I was younger. But uh, <laughs> but that that's uh, I- I'm fighting I'm fighting old age. Yes. every moment I can and I'm doing that <laughs> by getting back in shape and starting to watch what I eat that type of thing but uh, but yes we are, we've are. we had some discussions in the past getting back to his question about people who are older than say 60 uh, there's a couple of people that have been on the show I'll have them back on again and see where they are in their careers they've switched careers they've retired in their 50s and 60s and have decided to move on so we'll and those you know those would be on. good
1: episodes f- even for the younger people to listen to because you know what we're all going to end up there oh yeah and, oh, you know, listening to that wisdom now in your 20s or 30s or 40s, that could mean the difference in your bank account and your quality of life when you get to the 60, 70 range.
0: Yes, yes. And and, and to add to that, um, you know, we if you're looking at an airline career, there's a limit at 65 and you're done. Um, but you can always do other types of flying, and, and we've talked about that many times. But just remember that if you're thinking about getting into aviation career, we're going to talk about that a lot uh, in this episode you know, you think about the the limitations on your age when you're looking at an airline, because that does limit you based on your age. Um, and people are looking, listening, saying, "Hey, that that can't be," but it's truly kind of like age discrimination. <laughs> you know, you come in; uh, it's not you. You can all, you always come in at the the bottom, and how high you can get is based on your age. I mean, I look at. Um, I have a seniority list at work, and I look at my seniority list, and I look where how high I can get on that seniority list. Somebody who's who's younger than me will go higher than I can. Mm. You know, it's all based on your age. So you, you have to – and we won't go into a huge discussion on that, but, and we have done that in the past, but that's important to know that. A lot
1: of spreadsheet work is what it that sure sounds is. like. <laughs> it sure is.
0: Well, again, thanks for that question, and, and we have had people that are a little bit older. I don't usually ask their age when they're on, but I've had some uh, – older helicopter pilots even, and uh, you know, I haven't really talked about their age, and some of them sound a lot younger than they actually are. Uh, I know some people have told me that they're a little surprised when they see me, because I sound a little bit younger than I really am, uh, which is thanks, I think. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe I just look like an old man, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the next question comes from Norman. Uh, he asks about, uh, or talks about, FAA handbooks and audiobooks. This is really cool. Uh, you know, the Aviation Instructors Handbook, a lot of you folks are looking at becoming instructors, etc. It's available uh, on a free public domain uh, audiobook, uh, LibriVox, it's called. It's also ho- hosted on archive.org. And it's available in different audio files, you know. And this person actually finished recording the uh, Airplane Flying Handbook with some other volunteers at LibriVox.org. And I'll have the link, by the way, on the website. Uh, Librivox uh, form. Uh, he's got the link, and, I'll, da- show and I'll, I'll show you how to download it, and all. Actually, I'll show you how to download. I'll put it on my website. Uh, he's recorded quite a few different things uh, based on his interest in in some other types of books. Uh, but the airplane flying handbook is going to be available. That type of thing. The only the only thing to caution here, by the way, because I know folks listen to this overseas, is uh, certain countries have different copyright restrictions. In the United States, for instance, uh, the airplane uh, flying Handbook and the Aviation Instructor's Handbook, those are things that are published by the U.S. government and are free to be copied. Uh, so a lot of times when you go online and you order these books, uh, you find them in, say, Amazon or whatever, they're they're just being republished by a somebody who's taking that and maybe formatting it a little bit differently and throwing it out there. It's the exact same thing as what you can get for free at your local FISDO or by ordering it online or downloading it. As a PDF, so just to give that heads up, all these manuals from the government, you can use them. You can use the pictures, and it's public domain. But when you leave the country, you have to be careful with that. Uh, so it may not, you may not be able to download it in the country you're in right now. So you know, check on those copyright laws. But this is a great resource. Uh, it, all the different a- aviation things that are are moving out there, Librivox org, and it's free. So check that out. Really cool stuff. So. Really, really, really appreciate that. That's a, that's a really neat uh, um, uh, tool for our listeners. So, thank thanks, Norman. I appreciate that. Uh, next question coming up. Uh, it's an update, actually, uh, from a previous contact. His name's Scott. Scott's writing in says, Carl, I wanted to give you an update on my pursuit of changing careers after twenty plus years in the same industry. I emailed you previously, so I figured I would update you, as you're always asking for listeners to tell you about their progress towards career goals. I'm enrolled in that school Eric doesn't mention. That's Eric Crump. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Haha, he says, E-R-U, Embry-Riddle. and I wanted to start back as I had completed one year back in 1991. I had three years left to complete my degree in Aviation Business Administration. Pleased to report that I'm almost halfway through those three years and have maintained a 4.0 GPA, Awesome. Uh, I have taken some of the advice that I've heard on your podcast about networking and reaching out to the director of my local airport. And he's been helpful in answering questions and even been able to provide some materials for me to use to reference for a school project. That's really cool. I don't know if I would have reached out to him without your podcast stressing the importance of networking. So, Thank you. Well, you're welcome. And then Tom, I think, was one of the first people to bring that up on this podcast and really stress the importance of it, so you're welcome. Uh, the individual he's been working with at the airport uh, also suggested he join the AAAE. Uh, that's the American Association of Airport Executives. I'll have a link to it on the website. As I'm interested in airport side of the industry, uh, which as are many of the listeners out there right now. joined about two months ago and took my first webinar through uh, AAAE today at the airports uh, on, on airport safety. Thanks again for your great work that you do. And can I suggest having some of the people on the business side of aviation on your show in the future? Says so it's airport directors and airline executives. Take care and safe flying. Hey, thanks a lot, Scott. You know, um, <laughs> that is an awesome idea having people on uh, that are from the airport. I've actually been in talks uh, with quite a few folks. I uh, interviewed the uh, CEO of the. Uh, uh, Tampa Airport not too long ago for Sun and Fun. That's on Sun and Fun Radio. You can go find it on liveatc.net, Sun and Fun Radio. It's on the right side of the screen on Aviation Careers Podcast. So that's kind of interesting. He talks a little bit about the careers. But uh, I have the uh, airport director at Stewart that's going to come on, also the director at uh, Lakeland Airport, and a couple of other folks that are involved in different management jobs at the airports. There are many different jobs that that are involved in, in the airport and also in general aviation and also airport authorities. So there's quite a few of those out there. Um you'd be surprised. Uh, a lot of those folks that I talked to had an interest in aviation and, and thought they were going to fly and decided they wanted to be home every night and they wanted to work in an airport. They're around airplanes all day and they they really like that. So that that's a it's a really it's a really interesting job and yes, we're going to have a a few more folks on that that have done the done that career path, and and a couple of them that changed from doing aviation, just like the person uh, that was mentioned before, Eric Crump. He was one that thought he was going to go the route of the airlines, and he wound up becoming uh, a director of an aviation program at Polk State College. So cool stuff. Tom, I I know you probably know a few of those airport executives.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's always a very interesting uh, part of the aviation field to get into because they kind of see a more rounded picture, I guess, of the industry, you know, versus the niche, niche positions like mechanics or like pilots. A lot of times these executives in aviation, whether it's airline, whether it's business, whether it's training, have a very different perspective um, than people who are just focused on one thing. They're, that makes it really interesting to talk with them and, and learn from them.
0: Yes, and, and if you get a chance, just go up to any of them. I mean, people that are around airports love to talk about aviation, um, you know, I was over at St. Pete, and the guy's like, yeah, let's talk aviation. They just love to go on and talk about the history of the airport. It's fascinating to listen to how things have come about, how things have changed, uh, and how they formed the actual the airport and the airport authority. Um, you know, I, I did some research on how a town was formed, and it's almost the same thing. You know, you, you have all these different facilities on that town. I just took a tour of Tampa International Airport's fire department, they're Airport Rescue and Firefighting, which, by the way, we're going to have somebody on to talk about what it's like to be an aviation firefighter. Mm. It's called Airport Rescue and Firefighting. And, you know, you really do have a community there. I mean, there's a hospital, or not so much a hospital, but a, a place where people can go when they're sick. They have a firefighting. They have police, their own airport police. They have food. They have offices. They have conventions even in the airport. They have a hotel. You could actually live at the airport and never leave, you know. <laughs> They have a mall. There's a shopping mall there. I mean, a lot of and, airports and, have shopping malls, and
1: some malls. commuters do that. Carl,
0: uh, actually, <laughs> I have spent quite a few. I've actually never left the airport. Uh, lo, uh, uh, what's it? Uh, Los Angeles, not Los, yeah. Las Vegas. Las Vegas. I actually lived in that airport for a while. Yes. I, mean, I would just sit there for hours and hours. Never been to the Strip, but just sat in that airport. Yes, uh, Food, yeah, I had everything. Yeah. Showers, even they have at the airport, so it's. Pretty yes, interesting. Las
1: stuff. Vegas Airport and I have a love-hate relationship
0: as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're interested in a community, really a, a small city, in my mind, it's like a small city. Uh, getting into aviation management is really cool, and on all levels, the small airports, the big airports, uh, it's really it's challenging because you're you're having to deal with the local community. Uh, I'm involved in a few organizations that reach out to the lo- local community and uh, help people understand uh, aviation and the benefits of aviation and, and what this local airport does for you. So you can get involved in those, outreach programs, marketing, sales. It's, mm. it's There's so many different jobs. So, yes, I will continue to do that. I've had people that have already said that they would love to come on and talk about their jobs and, and their careers at the airport. So we will do that. Again, thanks for that question and suggestion. Next uh Let's see. The next email comes in and talks about careers in aviation. It says, uh, Hi, I'm in the information technology sector based out of India. I have around five years of experience, and I wanted to enter aviation field. What are my chances? Well, from that email, there's two things I can get from it. Number one, uh, if you're looking at the computers in the aviation industry, uh, there's quite a few of those jobs. We uh, rely heavily on computers. A lot of companies are contractors uh, and sell their services to Uh, the airlines, and to other aviation businesses. You have uh, software that's developed for airports. You have software that's developed for airlines. And software that's developed for the individuals that work there. There's maintenance software. There's so many different things that are in the development of aviation. Software for the simulators. Uh, That was actually one of the things I was very interested in, is getting into simulation software. It's fascinating stuff. So there's lots of different things. Now, if you're thinking about getting into aviation as a, a pilot, that type of thing, then... Yeah, the opportunities are out there. You just have to look at the cost, et cetera. And I know, I know uh, a lot of folks come to like Canada, uh, Australia, um, the United States, because it's a lot cheaper uh, to get their ratings uh, in the U.S. And, you know, I've uh, done some training with lots of folks overseas. But yes, it's uh, you can you can do it. I mean, five years of experience, uh, that'll help you. I, I had about 10 years before I actually got into aviation as a full time job, I owned a couple of businesses and uh, a couple in computers and did some computer consulting, so that's a fascinating field, and and yeah, there's um, a good example, uh, what was it, American Airlines down in Dallas, I think had their data processing center was there, and they hired a lot of people, because information is really key in the airline business, and any any business nowadays. Data. So, yep. Yeah. So I really appreciate that, yes, I would just, I would jump in, there. listen to this podcast, listen to the people that have done that, so. Next question comes from Timothy, and he says he's uh, 24, living in uh, California. Long time listener to the podcast, and just wants to say how much of a motivation it's been to me. Well, thanks. Continues I don't have a lot of aviation friends, so I find this podcast is a tremendous asset. Just recently finished my private pilot certificate in Hawaii, where I was a waiter and prayed for my trainer with my tips, or excuse me, paid for my training with my tips. Uh, That's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> imagine how long that took I could I <laughs> but congratulations on that. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, you really when someone pays for their own training, uh, I, you really do appreciate uh, the training and, and what it takes and the effort that it, it, it takes to put into that. Uh, he says he recently moved back to California to continue his instrument ratings and still wait tables. Oh boy. My question to you is, is do you think in-home flight simulators will help with my instrument rating? I want to make the most of my money and be a safe and consistent pilot. Well, let me, I'll have, uh, before Tom answer this one, I'll I'll tell you what what I think about the in-home flight uh, simulators. First of all, just amazing the hard work you've done, and congratulations. Uh, But concerning the simulators, I think they're a great tool uh, for learning procedures especially. For example, when I was hired with my, my first airline job, I knew that I'd be flying around the mountains of Mexico, and performing many DME arcs so I used the simulator to help practice those DME arcs and when I got to the training and when I actually started doing the approaches because I did almost all the DME arcs to all the airports it was a no-brainer I had no issues the only issue I had is I uh, the airplane I was flying was a lot faster and I realized I had to slow down before doing the arc (laughs) that that was the biggest that was the the biggest uh,
1: challenge there but Tom what do you think I would agree, Carl, the procedures that you can practice are, I mean that's priceless and the cost of doing that is minimal compared to making those mistakes, those procedural mistakes, you know, in the arc. uh... And so yeah, you definitely can't go wrong with that. Any time it's funny that this question is actually perfect. I had a breakfast this morning with the chief pilot, and we were discussing different uh, experience qualifications of some of the uh, crew members that he manages. And he had brought up this idea of tabletop training, you know, where you run scenarios out on the table. You, you you know, cross the Atlantic on the table, using the charts, figuring out equal time points. It's all procedure stuff. So applicable directly to his question with regard to an instrument rating, it's all procedural stuff. And if you can do that on a simulator, and if you can even do it, you know, on a tabletop, either one, you will save time, frustration, and money when you actually get in the airplane for sure.
0: That's a great, great example right there of, you know, figuring out equal time points, you know, and that's, uh, not the distance, but the time between one point and the other, you know, say for your, your alternates and just mm. figuring that out. Uh, I didn't even think of doing that in a simulator. That's awesome. That's a great idea. It's awesome. But, uh, yes, simulators are wonderful, even your home simulator. Uh, it doesn't uh, substitute for the airplane as much, but uh, it does procedurally help you out quite a bit. So, So I would definitely...
1: You, you, you kind of learn what to look for, you know, so when you get in the plane, you know, okay, I need to look at my heading and then my distance or my speed and then my, you know, and, and, you, and that, that you build your own mental checklist of how to actually do these different procedures.
0: Yes, yes, uh, and, and it really it helps tremendously, especially if you have the checklist and all from the airplane you're flying, I'd suggest mm. that, uh, bringing that with you in the simulator. You know, you've heard of chair flying. That's basically what you're doing. But you have the simulator in front of you. You're actually flying the plane. So that's awesome. Well, thanks for that question. Uh, Next question comes from a student pilot who's uh, age 35 looking for a new career. He says, hi, Carl. I just found your podcast this last week, and I think it's great. I'm 35 uh, years old, married, two kids, a dog, and a mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of work. Me too. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, well, you have more than that, don't you? I think you have have kids, boats. It seems like you've got all sorts of stuff going on there, (laughs) Tom. So you can appreciate his his conundrum here. uh, Yes. uh, uh, He works about 50 to 60 hours a week uh, driving uh, a local truck. And currently taking lessons out of their club uh, with one of the CFIs there, or double eyes, I should say, at the club. I'll be doing my cross country flights here soon, and then go for my check ride by September, October. Uh, he wants to know about the Sporties ground school, and he wants to know if it's a good one. We normally don't uh, talk too much about individual coursework, but I I like a lot of them. Uh, I do like Sporties. I think uh, they're you know they have great cinematography. Yeah, uh, they have uh, great uh people that are on there that teach. Uh so yes, I, I do like sporties.
1: Hey, hey Tom, have you ever used sporties? You know I've not. I have not used um I've not used sporties at all, as a matter of fact.
0: Uh and if you get a chance, by the way, we had Rob Ryder on Stuck Mike Avcast. Uh take a take a listen to his uh uh his uh interview there. He's pretty fascinating. Guy, he's the guy that's on Sporties uh, and does the, a lot of the recordings there. Uh, real, real good guy. And as a matter of fact, Sean Moody actually was a Sporties also. So I will give them a plug, not just because of the fact that they're on the show, but I, I do, I do like Sporties and I've used their products in the past and uh, just in general, I think their training products are good. So there's a I, lot of I good can, ones out there in general.
1: Yeah, and I can say I've never heard a bad, I've never heard anything bad no. about
0: Sporties ever. Now they do some, do some great work, uh, and their production quality is really, really good. So I will say that. Uh, he also uh, goes on to ask about uh, a possibly earning a wage, a, uh, working at a regional like uh, Horizon or Alaska, and also wants to know if they need a needs a degree for that. Uh, uh, but the and he's wanting to to get his CF5, but not sure the market around there is is really good for that. Uh, also for Tom, his dream has always been flying corporate <laughs> uh so he wants to talk a little bit about that too um Tom, as far as flying corporate can talk and I'll talk a little bit about horizon uh as far as the c f i and you wanting to move on to being a corporate pilot i'm not sure if you if your market won't won't hold it I might want to try to get some other flying jobs what do you think tom
1: yeah i you know, I do know of a gentleman who went from CFI into a, a really good corporate position, but I think that's um, the exception of the rule. So the CFI might be a great way to get the first, you know, Navajo, Baron uh, Cirrus, uh, some kind of bridge to a corporate job and maybe a Lear or a King Air type of thing. I think that would be more of a standard routing. But I will say this, I will caveat it with... The corporate world is just short of demanding a college degree anymore. It's very difficult to break into this market. And, and I, especially of the what I would call the career corporate positions, the ones where you could park it. Till you were 60 or 65. They really are demanding a career. So uh, it might be something to put on your to-do list uh, is get the degree. And it doesn't need to be in aviation. I, I know guys, and Carl, I'm sure you do too, are flying with degrees and everything. So, uh, But they do really want that. So maybe see if I to bridge your way up and uh, go check the box on the, on the college uh, degree.
0: Yeah, and and to further that discussion, let's just look at the regionals now, and because he's asking about Horizon. And by the way, you can find all this information about the different airlines online. Uh, We thought about doing a directory, but there's someone that does a really good directory right now. It's called We'll Fly for Food. There's some other ones out Mm -hmm. there, but I'll give you that example. Uh, The salaries at Horizon are out there, so you can actually click on that. I'll have the link on the website so you can see it. Uh, and, And by the way, when you look at these salaries, it's by people that volunteer to show the salaries. So sometimes they're way behind. I know I looked at my airline on this, air, on this website, and they were a little bit behind as far as the, the actual numbers. In other words, the numbers were greater than they were. Uh, just working a wage at a regional airline, boy, I tell you, that's that's a tough one in the beginning. And also the two-year degree. Horizon requires a two-year degree, but I would say put your application in. And I'll tell you why. There is <laughs> a real shortage of applicants uh, at the regional airlines, and uh, which brings up another really good point, uh, you know, sometimes it's good to talk to some of the folks at the regionals or at the hiring level, not so much the, the guys who are just flying the line as pilots. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of articles lately about there's no pilot shortage, et cetera, that type of thing. Then, um, you know, at the majors, there's there's they're not having as many uh, qualified applicants as they had before. Uh, they still have tons of applicants because they could take all the regional pilots and move them up there. But a lot of guys aren't moving. Because the wages are pretty good at the regionals, uh, you can make a, a real good living. I, you know, don't look at me. I worked really hard at the regionals and worked a lot of overtime. And I think let's see, I want so f- about five or say six years into my career is when I was making six figures at the regionals. But don't look at me because I, I'm not the norm because I was working so much. But if you're working a regular salary job, ten years in, maybe say seventy, eighty thousand as a captain at a regional. And maybe less if you're still a first officer, because some people aren't moving up. Uh, so that's something something to think about there. Livable wage in the beginning usually not. Uh, you're looking at twenty five, which if you can live on that, that's great. Uh, but that's usually not quite the livable wage that I'm thinking of. Uh, so and also about getting hired at one regional and about the two year degree. If you can get on even without your two year degree, uh, just work on it while you're there. Uh, again, I actually had someone on the show that did that. We didn't even talk about that and. Uh, but I probably shouldn't mention, but there are, there's there been past times when, you know, I've, I've mentioned to people, hey, listen, um, you know, we just go and start with the airline, finish your degree, because I've had lots of friends that have done that, have have moved on into the airlines without a degree, finished a degree while they were there, and then moved on to the majors. The majors yeah. do that because they can, you know, it's a way to constrain some of the applicants and, um, you know, do you need a four-year degree to, to fly an airplane? No. Do you need one to be competitive with the other applicants? Yes, so yeah.
1: definitely get that. Just, just the way it is anymore. And and you know one more thing to add to that too is to be very cautious and strategic in this career if you decide to go down this road because I do know the corporate world really doesn't do a lot of hiring from the airline world and I would hate to see this gentleman go into the airline world expecting to get three four five thousand hours then then jump ship over to the corporate side. It's a very tough sell because the job is so different that not saying that's right or wrong i'm just saying that's how it is so if you're going to go the airline route to to make a wage and maybe get a degree all the more your effort you're gonna need to put into networking so that you build a network in the corporate world assuming that you know you had mentioned his dream was to fly corporate And let them understand the only reason you're in the airlines is to get those hours so that you can bring value to the corporate world. So it's just something to put into your strategy there if you do decide to go the airline route as a way to get to the corporate route.
0: So I'm not going to be as diplomatic as Tom in that answer. And I'm going to say that (laughs) one of the reasons that they don't hire a lot of people in the corporate world is we tend to become prima donnas sometimes. Uh, you know, trust me. I mean, we don't. It's it's happened to me. I mean, we don't do as much as you guys do in the corporate world. Uh, we just show up at the airplane and and fly the plane. We get all the paperwork done for us. You know, you mean you want me to help out, clean the aircraft? <laughs> huh. I don't do that. You know, I don't. And there's. Uh, you're very pigeonholed when you're flying uh, for the airlines. You don't get involved in the customers as much, and you don't become involved in the operations quite as much as you do when you're flying the corporate world. You show up. Turn the plane on, fly it, and go. You know, look at the paperwork, make sure it's safe. Uh, You're not quite as involved in all the decision-making throughout the day. Uh, When you're in the corporate world, though, the nice thing about it, and this is what I've noticed, and I'm sure Tom will attest to it, is that plane becomes your baby. Uh, That's your aircraft, Uh, whereas in the airline world, it's not quite your aircraft, and you really take a lot of pride in what you do. Uh, but yes, I, I I do know that, and my saying that, by the way, isn't so much my opinion, it's what people have related to me uh, from the corporate world that do interviews uh, that would never probably say that on here uh, if I had them on. Uh, but you know, a lot of times that happens. You get a, a person from the airline world, and you know, you tell them, hey, could you throw that bag in the back? And they're like, wait a minute, I don't do that. That's not my job. Well, you know, in the corporate world, it is.
1: There's a lot of things you have to do that that you wouldn't normally do with the airlines. But but you know, I will caveat it with this. It's really all about attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody who comes in, in, even though they spent the last five years in the airlines, but they've got such a great attitude about doing all those um, extra duties, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, that goes a long way towards selling yourself to a corporate position is, is the attitude that you bring. Right. And, and, and
0: furthermore, with a corporate, the corporate guys, we, we love them where we work. Uh, we will hire them because they have such a great attitude. They're very much customer-centric. And they understand how to deal with passengers uh, because they've had that experience. Cause yeah. Because that's what they do all the time. And it's pretty interesting to see that because they really light up. They, they know how to handle them. uh takes a little experience but it's not too bad once you you just got to talk to passengers just like it's you in that situation so you get used to that say hey if this is uh this say this is someone who's my mom's age what would i say to my mom in this situation you know (laughs) or it's my sister or something like a brother etc so you kind of put yourself in that person's world and try to say okay you know this is what's going on and and this is why you know we're flying through this weather or whatever this is why you have to sit down and maybe turn your devices off now. And I know we normally don't do that, but this is why, that type of thing. Yeah. So, uh, but, but yeah, the, uh, I, by the way, that's a great airline. Um, I, I like most airlines, but I think Horizon's an awesome airline. Alaska's a real good airline, that type of thing. So uh, some really, really wonderful people that work there. The reason, and, and by the way, the way I define a good airline is from the employee's perspective a lot of times, other than obviously you want something that's going to be secure. Uh, the people that I know that work there, they're very happy. Um, and that that's kind of one of my big definitions. That's why I work. Why I work now, because the people are happy. Yep. Uh, but uh, anyway, so don't let me make that. Uh, I hope I didn't wasn't too negative on that. Uh, I just wanted to you know kind of relate that to you what people said to me and give you kind of a different perspective. Uh, so not that if you're an airline pilot you can't go corporate. Just just be ready to be more of a people person. That's that's, that's right. Sure. Yeah. So the next question comes uh, talks about aviation photography. Boy, that's a that's a big topic lately. Uh, thanks so much for your recent podcast on aviation photography. I've been listening since episode one, and always look forward to each new episode. I usually listen on my way to work uh, and from work, but had to listen to this one right away on the job. Uh oh! Don't get in trouble now. <laughs> Maybe doing your break or something. <laughs> This week's episode was particularly helpful since photography is part of my plan to, be, to help me achieve my aviation goals. I took my first flight when I was 14, sold it at 16 and assessed in 152, but didn't go much further after that. I ended up moving for a while and then came back to the town I'm living in now and got married a few years later. But by then I had a career in information technology and didn't have much time for aviation. Now I'm 36 years old. And I'm more interested than ever in getting back to my flight training. My dream is one day make it at least to the regionals as a pilot. And I, I know you can do that. That's that's uh, that definitely could do that easily. Uh, continues. I make a decent income as a network administrator, uh, but after the mortgage, car payments, etc., there's still not very much left over for flying. There's big difference between $200 an hour for 172 compared to $35 an hour for 152 when I was just 18. Wow, amen to that brother. I tell you, it's really expensive. I have all the hours I need for my private pilot's license. I just need to get current and proficient enough to take the practical test. Then it's on to the instrument rating and beyond. I like how you always encourage your listeners to take one more step to helping them reach their aviation career goals. So recently, I decided to take the private pilot written test. After a lot of studying, I finally took the test. Didn't make the grade I wanted, which was 100%, but settled for 98%. Missed one question. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty good, 98%. Not too many people get that high. So now the timer has started and I have two years to figure out a way to pay for the rest of my training to get at least my private pilot rating. To help me do that, I'm turning my side job that I've been doing for a number of years now, photography. Over the years, uh, turning towards that photography, I should say, over the years I've photographed a number of weddings and events and I've had a website up for a while showcasing some of my travel photography. There's a small section for aviation photography as well. And I have a link to this. He he said to feel free to uh, share this. It's uh, markalbertsphoto.com. I'll have the link. I probably said that wrong on the website. However, I haven't really pushed myself to any new business. So as a way to make aviation dreams a reality, I'm finally trying to market my services more uh, more and pick up new photography clients. While I'm at it, I've been looking for ways to combine my interests and have been researching how I can become an aviation photography photographer. Excuse me. That's why I had to listen to this week's episode right away. Thanks for featuring this career on your podcast. It was great listening to Jose Ramos take a military aviation photographer and to see his awesome photos. Lots of great information and inspiration. I'd still like to know a little more about aviation photography and general aviation, business business aviation, and the airlines. <clears throat> excuse me, and how. One can break into those areas. I'm most likely to pursue those avenues as opposed to military. As I know, there are more opportunities and more variety in the types of photography needed. I know it may be a while since you just featured the topic, but uh, I'd love to hear another podcast on the subject in the future from a civilian point of view. It'd be awesome to hear an interview with someone like Jessica Ambotz and uh, or Moose Peterson. Uh, or tyson ringer Rien- uh, those actually jessica has agreed to possibly come on the uh, podcast she has agreed it's just our schedules have had been uh, just so tight uh, she is a terrific person and a great photographer uh, mark continues thanks for all your great work you do with the podcast you've really inspired me to stop wishing i could have a career in aviation and to actually do something about it as always looking forward to the next episode Mark. Well, thanks a lot for that email, Mark. That was awesome. I'm glad you've moved forward in your career and you're actually moving towards towards your dream, uh, aviation photography. I know uh, there's people out there that have businesses that actually have made a living at it for years. It's a little tougher than say becoming an airline pilot or a regional pilot, but uh, you can do it. I mean, you, you'll start off small, and once people get to know you, I think I think they'll uh, use your work. It's just I found you know the photographers I've talked to have said that they have to take other jobs. Usually, uh, non-aviation related because it just isn't that big of a field. It may be photography related, but uh, but not actual aviation related. But at least you still get to, to jump into that uh, aviation photography. So yeah, yeah, I, I definitely will have somebody. On. I'll have Jessica on hopefully here shortly. Our schedules just aren't working out. We both both work I think seven days a week because she's <laughs> also the publisher of uh, what is it, uh, Plane and Pilot magazine. So she her plate is super super full right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, really think that it's, it's really inspirational to hear your story and Jose's and people that thought they couldn't do it and now they're doing it. But, uh, as far as the money's concerned, that is an issue. And that's the reason we started the, the pod or excuse me, the scholarships guide is trying to help people find money. Again, there's some out there that, uh, aren't age specific. I know you're a little bit older, um, and we're trying to, to really focus on getting more and more of those. Um, and especially if you have a financial need, there, there's many of those out there. So, great story.
1: Yeah, and one thing I thought of there, Carl, with regard to, it sounds to me like you need to drum up some business, right? Mm -hmm. And in the business aviation world, places to think about looking are, you know, there's a couple of magazines out there that um, feature all the airplanes for sale. And the opportunity there is that every airplane that goes into that magazine Needs to have pictures taken of it. So, everything from you know a King Air up through a G6, you have to have lots of photos to then position it in these sales magazines. And I think there's got to be a market there to enter. And somebody selling a G6, they've got money to pay a photographer. So, <laughs> something to think about there. And not only uh, photos for selling the airplanes or or selling services as a segue, what about marketing? I mean, you got all these different charter companies and maintenance companies, avionics companies, and they put ads out, and they need photos for those ads. And so uh, you know, just between those two things, I think you got to be able to drum up some business at the local airport uh, or airports around where he's at.
0: Yeah, great idea. I mean, I, I use cards all the time. I just went through t- 2,000 of them just to... Yeah. Uh, just pushing them out there, so that's a great idea. Just you know, I still think pressing the flesh is important. You talk to people because people hire people. Yeah, and, that's right. You know, that's that's great. Great advice, Tom. That's why we have you on here. You're just awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, Tom, thanks so much uh, for that one. The next question here, this is a good one, and uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about this. His subject is uh, a career changer getting cold feet. Um, uh, he's a 30-year-old software contractor And three years out of college He's earning $71 per hour He uh, says he doesn't come from a wealthy family And never knew how accessible an aviation career was Until a family friend introduced me That was two years into college And since I've achieved a 3.72 GPA in computer science In a little over a 1,000 hours 30 of multi flying skydivers last year And pipeline patrol My schedule in IT is fantastic right now. I work from home, part-time, on a flexible schedule where I only need to be available for four hours a week, and the remaining 16 hours are done on my own time. I don't love writing software, but the pay and schedule allow me to do whatever I want. I'm home as much as I want to be, I go where I want, and I do what I want. The caveat to this is the contract work doesn't last forever. And more likely than not, I'll work contracts in a cube somewhere bathing in fluorescent light bulbs, which I hate. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Growing up, I never thought I'd want to fly an airliner. Instead, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. The military wasn't in the cards for me due to medical condition, but I have a first-class medical with no waivers, no restrictions. With a pipeline job, I was flying 10 to 12 hours a day, four days a week. The season lasts about three months, and while it's a great way to build time, after about three hours in the first day... I became bored out of my mind. 35 hours a week in a 172 with three to five hour legs is enough to drive me crazy. I hear all these people say they love flying and would stay up there forever if the fuel allowed. That's not me. Flying is fun, but I don't care to sit in a cockpit for hours on end like I did with the pipeline job. I love that had these. I love that I've had these experiences, which have given me this perspective. But now I don't know which way to turn. I can make wide-body captain pay, consulting in IT projects, and can work three to six months out of the year, be home every night, and take the rest of the year off to do what I please. That's awesome, and it's the way I've, I'm leaning now. The benefits to me in having a flying career is the schedule flexibility and travel benefits. The downsides are the time away and the starting pay. You know, you pretty much sum that up pretty well. I like that. Was excellent. Uh, IT benefits are pay, schedule flexibility, the downsides of IT are I don't really care to write code, hate the office environment, and dislike the lack of variety. I'm writing this because I like opinions from the pros on my situation. I understand it's subjective. and it may not fall in line with my values and be- beliefs, but hearing opinions from outsiders' perspective is helpful to make me sure I don't miss anything in my analysis. Thank you for reading this, and I hope to hear from you. Hey, that was awesome email you and I have a lot in common, Eric. Actually, you have a lot in common with a lot of folks in IT. IT, uh, information technology, there's a lot of folks that go from that to com- to flying. I think part of it is because it's very technical. Um, but I did that. I mean, I went... The day that I decided that I really was going to get the heck out of that, that career was I, I was a week into my project working for a bank, and I was in the basement. I hadn't seen the sun in almost seven days and i said you know what i'm not doing this anymore i mean they had me locked in there and writing code because uh, that's what my my degrees in computer science and math and that was what i did for a living and it's very lucrative and yes i was able to make wide body captain pay when i was very young uh, but it wasn't worth it because it wasn't something i'd love to do and i had the same juncture i said to myself you know what do i do I love flying. Is there any way that I can fly and make money? Well, you know, the obvious, obviously it turned out really well, and I'm involved in many different things uh, in aviation, especially with podcasts, etc. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about the boredom, and, and I want to ask Tom's perspective on this also as far as flying the line. With an airline, especially as you get into bigger planes, it really can be somewhat boring, and I like to look out the window and see the changing environments Flying all over these different countries, etc. The toughest part is when you're at night. I'll give you a good example. Tomorrow, I'm going to fly to uh, Lima, Peru, and on the way down, it's there's the sun's going to be out. I'll probably get to see some really interesting sights. I'm going from north to south, so I'll get to see everything up to about Panama during the day, and then the rest of it, you know, Ecuador and and Peru, I probably won't get to see because it's going to be dark out. Coming back, I got to do it as a red eye. So I'm going to see nothing. And that is the toughest part, is staying awake. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I, I really enjoyed is is speaking with the people I'm flying with. If you're flying with somebody you like, like I'm flying with this guy I really like so uh, tomorrow, so that's cool. We can talk the whole way. And it makes the time go really fast. If you're flying with someone you don't like, it could go on forever. And I know in the corporate world, you're kind of stuck because you're, you're limited to that. So I want to hear from Tom's perspective, because I think... They do a little more variety flying-wise, and I'm not sure the length of the legs and if you do that that often.
1: Yeah, you know, one thing before before I answer that that came to mind as you were reading, Carl, was what about contract work? You know, it sounds like he does like the IT work a little bit, but he just doesn't want, you know, to miss out on f- kind of progressing his flying side of his life as well. And what about sitting right seat in a citation or a King Air and filling in as needed? So you get kind of that... You know, you get to go out and do something different in aviation, but you're not committed to them and you're not flying, you know, six, eight hour legs. Uh, So something to think about there might be, you know, networking around to get some contracting, some right seat gigs. I know I did contracting for a number of years and it was a blast because you got to do all kinds of different stuff. You really didn't have to be responsible for anything. You just kind of had to show up and you got to meet all kinds of cool people and you got to fly all kinds of different airplanes. And so, you know, I'm not sure where he is in terms of geographically located and what the opportunities are with, you know, how many airports are near them and and, and so on and so forth. But something to think about there is definitely contracting. But to carry on, you know, each on the business aviation side, the missions are so different and so unique that, uh, you know, be careful about just saying, oh, business aviation is all about long legs or business aviation is all about short legs because there's really a large variety in leg length in equipment and probably most importantly how they use the asset there's so i can think of one um, conversation i had with a gentleman back in july and how he flew for two brothers uh... they didn't fly much about twenty to thirty hours a month so he was home a lot and they were flying a smaller airplane so he never really went more than two or three hours away which meant there were minimal overnights and uh, most trips were just day trips. They were they, you know, out and back in the same day. So um, you know, two things to think about there, just to stay active in aviation, but it sounds like he still wants some time to do other things, and, and both of those might provide that.
0: And that's uh, something that I didn't think about. It's like your, your different size aircraft doesn't necessarily mean it's larger stage, stage length either. Right. I'd always thought that a larger aircraft, you went further, but that's not always true in, in corporate
1: aviation, Right. No, no. And I, that's definitely not a rule. I mean, I've been to training with people who, you know, their principal owns a Gulfstream or a global express and their mission is, you know, New York, uh, where his office is down to his house in Florida, you know, a two and a half hour flight. And, uh, they don't ever go overseas. They don't do any long haul stuff. So yeah, you can't match the aircraft to the uh, mission in terms of, you know, Hey, just cause he's got a Gulfstream, he's going around the world. Not necessarily. So right right that makes sense
0: because uh, if people aren't paying for the seats you know they they have this aircraft as asset they utilize it the way they want to that's right uh, it's not the rule of thumb you know the bigger the plane the further you go like in the airlines that type of thing so that's good yeah that, that's a great great advice there Tom you know one more thing uh, concerning pay and Tom will explain on the corporate side but uh, most careers uh, in the corporate world, uh, in general, uh, you get about 2,000 hours a year of pay, which includes your vacation, time off, that type of thing. But it's usually rounded around 2,000 hours. Uh, at the airlines, most pay is based on a thousand hours a year, which obviously includes paid vacation. So let's get get an example here. Therefore, you know, you compare a job making $71 an hour in the corporate world, you'd have to make $142 an hour at the airlines to make that same rate, you know, the same amount of money per year, because 1,000 times 142 is, you know, 142,000. Uh, this would be equivalent to, like, say, a senior first officer pay or a junior captain pay at a major. Uh, but remember, you probably won't break six figures for many years until you get to the majors. You know, like I said before, I did it in uh, just six years at the regionals, but I was flying a lot. And then I went back to flying a normal uh, pace, and I made a lot less than that. Uh, so really, you know, you gotta you got to say, hey, you know, You know, how much do I enjoy flying? Do you want to fly every day or part time? Part time flying can be very fulfilling. Um, And in your case, like Tom said, maybe get some contracts. Maybe you could do contracting computers, you know. And uh, my problem is, I want to be around airplanes all day. And the only way to do that is do it for a living. I mean, I could do it in the corporate world too. You know, I could hang out at the, the, and I'll ask Tom this, you know, I could probably hang out at the, the hangar and, and work on the airplane and hang around people that like flying. I mean, I'm sure you do that, don't you, Tom? Yeah, it was just at the hangar today. Yeah, and you didn't fly, right? No, no. Yeah, so you can you can get your aviation fix in many ways. That, that's for sure. So, um, you know, he actually responded to this email, and uh, I won't go into too much de- uh, detail, but he, had actually, he asked me uh, if I ever considered uh, consulting part of the year. And I get that question asked quite a bit, uh, about the computer side of things because I was, you know, pretty decent at coding. Gosh, you know, I, I really, I have so many irons in the fire. I've got this podcast. I actually, you know, to be totally transparent, I work seven days a week. I work my normal job, which is flying for the airlines. And then I do this. So when I say I have 15 days off a month, the other 15 days, are working on the thepilotreport.com, you know, stuck my Gavcast or aviation careers podcast, or trying to find scholarships for people. I spend a lot of time just just doing that and getting out there and trying to find people that that have uh, scholarships. My one goal right now, of course, get scholarships for people that are changing careers. So, yeah, I wish wish I could uh, could do some computer programming. I love computers. I still do a little bit of it on my website. Uh, I'd like to do that. That's how I get my hands dirty, you know, for uh, like the subscription-based stuff. I get to do a little bit, but but not a whole bunch uh, of that. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah, and and Tom's idea is terrific. Um, Also, uh, one of the things you mentioned um, is flying uh, EMS uh, or corporate, uh, and they don't fly as much, so they can be home more often. Uh, EMS is, uh, you know, they do a lot of evacuation for medical uh, flights but i've lived with guys that were in the medical evacuation flight field and boy they can be busy especially if you're yeah. in a jet and flying yeah. down south man those guys are out every single night picking up people from those uh well the cruise ships down you know south central america and the caribbean when they get sick uh so tom what do you think uh, about this statement as far as having all this extra time i mean could you could he do some programming
1: on the side I think absolutely. I mean, if he was especially flying contract, I mean, those contract trips are a day, two, three days long. They're typically not that. And, I, and I'm I'm speaking domestically in the USA here. I, I know there are people maybe listening to, this to see contracts, you know, thirty day contracts overseas. That's not what I'm referring to. So, so uh, to just to be clear, we're talking domestically in the USA. That that uh, you know, when I was flying, I think I was doing you know about. Oh, maybe three trips a month contract and uh, anywhere from one to three days. And so there was lots of time to do other things.
0: Yeah, that's that's a whole bunch of time to do other things. And uh, and now let's switch it to the airline side of things. I have a bunch of time to do other things too because I choose to. But say I want to make extra money, I can go to work and, and grab some uh, extra money if I want to. So uh, both sides of that coin are good. It's all, all depends on what you want to do. Again, Yep. You know, sure does. I, I do, I, there are so many things that if I, I could, it doesn't matter to me if I got into any side of aviation, I would love it because that's my personality. Um, but, you know, say I couldn't fly for the airlines anymore. I'd go corporate. I would love that. If I couldn't fly anymore, period, I'd do something else. Uh, it'd just be great to be around airplanes. So decide what it is and the reason you're involved with, with aviation uh, and then go forward with that. So, yeah, I think I think you definitely could do that, do a, a part-time programming. As a matter of fact, we have guys at the airlines uh, that do programming part time, uh, and they've done some really good stuff. As a matter of fact, they've made tools for airline pilots. Uh, the one frustration I have is that when I'm on the road, uh, this is like from my perspective, like with this business, uh, you know, trying to do the scholarships and putting things out on the website. If I have a question from somebody and I'm gone for 10 days or I'm gone for seven days, there's certain places I go where I don't have good internet, or places I I go where I can't bring electronic devices. Uh, certain countries I enter that they won't allow any personal electronic devices, only those that are associated with work. So I'm I'm disconnected from this, so that becomes frustrating. And I'm sure that you know there's other people listening that they, the same way they they do something part time in aviation or just in general, and uh, they they really get frustrated because they can't work on that while they're away, and that that's uh, that's tough. Uh, I want to record something this weekend, and I can't, because of the place that I'm going, I can't bring my recorder, I can't bring my microphone with me. Uh, so uh, that that's stopping me from doing that work. Whatever it is you do part-time, you may need to have someone help you back home. I will say one of the, the favorite part-time jobs amongst pilots is, is getting into, say, real estate, real estate investing. Uh, it doesn't take your full-time attention. Uh, but you know, I'm into real estate. I uh, the downside is if a hot water heater breaks, and I'm up in the air, it's got to get fixed. You know, so you have to have things in place uh, to allow you to do that. So
1: there's nothing more frustrating than landing in your voicemail <laughs> as your tenant, <laughs> and not that I, I don't ask how I know this. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah,
0: <laughs> well, it's true. And you know, I, I I actually have set up a system where I have somebody else that manages my real estate. And uh, someone helps me. It's just, if you don't have that help, say you have a partner at home, you have a spouse uh, that can help you out with your business, then that's great. You know, they can do all that, that work. Uh, unfortunately, my wife doesn't work in this business. She works in another one and, and does really well. And she brings home the bacon, so I don't want her quitting her job. Hopefully, she doesn't <laughs> listen to this, but, you know, just think about that. I mean, it's it's something you really, really do need to think about, you know. What you know, what what can I do and how frustrated will I become Working at something part time. On the flip side of that, uh, I was in, in IT in computers, working uh, full time, doing the aviation thing part time, and I had a, I had a bail. Uh, just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, just because uh, I wanted to be with my students, my students were getting angry because I couldn't come and teach them. So I pulled the plug, and that uh, that was tough. And just remember, you know, you talk about people being afraid to change careers, and uh, you know, just remember, it's not it's not like pulling the trigger. You know, you're you can always come back to what you were doing. You can always, I'm a good example. I had to go back to computers to make some money because, you know, I was out of a job for a while. What did I dislike it? You know, it wasn't the the, the my dream job, but it was fun. I liked the people. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't, again, it's all your attitude. I mean, I enjoyed being with the people. I enjoyed the job, even though I wasn't doing the thing I wanted to do. And I knew in my mind I could do it.
1: So just remember that.
0: Anything else to add to that there, Tom?
1: No, no, I think he's got uh, some tools to work with there. I hope so.
0: (laughs) Okay, on to the next question. that says, hi, uh, I just wanted to say what a fabulous job you do on your shows and websites. I listen to both Aviation Careers and Stuck Mike, and honestly... They don't come out fast enough. <laughs> uh, I know how busy you are. I just want to say that I really look forward to each episode. Well, thanks. That means a lot. I appreciate that. I wish I could do one. every Every day I wish I could do one. I just have to have to pay for all this. <laughs> I've always loved uh, takeoff and landing parts of flying. I'm not involved in aviation at all. My obsession began last se- summer. My sister was flying back to San Francisco from Ecuador. And she called me out of the blue, asking me to pick her up at the airport where her flight had been rerouted due to the Asiana crash. As soon as I got back home, a four-hour trip to the airport after driving to Sacramento, then Napa, I got online to see exactly what happened with the accident. That began the chain of events. I read everything I can on airplanes, mostly airliners. I found something on YouTube called Pilot's Eye TV. Finally, I could see what was Goes on in the cockpit. Since then, I've watched countless documentaries in the making of the 747 and the Airbus A380. I read Joe Sutter's book about the 747 and watched an amazing show on air traffic controllers. Currently, a school music teacher, so aviation right now is a pipe dream slash hobby. Still, I'm having so much fun learning about the industry. Your guests are incredible. You seem to find the best of the best. Anyway, Sorry for the long-winded email. I just wanted to thank you for providing me with so much joy. By the way, I loved hearing the story about your spending Thanksgiving one year in the Odessa, Midland, Texas area. I lived there for six of the longest 20 years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I now live in the Golden Gate Bridge. What a difference. Have a wonderful and safe weekend. Thanks again for your hard work. Well, that was a wonderful email. Uh, you know, it makes all these really sleepless nights worth it when I hear that it's uh, touching somebody in a real positive manner. And uh, you know, I, I know you can, you know, pursue your dream of flight, whatever it is. You know, honestly, I wish more teachers would become flight instructors. Yeah. Because you're not, you're a flight instructor. You're, you're not a pilot. Yes, you're a pilot, but you're not piloting the plane. You're, you're introducing this environment where someone can learn. And you know how to do that, because you teach music. And you understand the fundamentals of instructing and teaching. And people that get into flight instructing, uh, they get really frustrated. Because my first job as a flight instructor, uh, the gentleman told me something, gave me some great advice. He said, now, remember, you are primarily a teacher, not a pilot. You're here to show them. You're here to coach them. Uh, You're here for them to cry on your shoulders sometimes. And you're here to keep them safe. And you're really somebody that that is teaching, not a pilot. And I I wish more people would realize that when they become flight instructors. And by doing that, they may not be as frustrated. Because I hear a lot of people frustrated in the flight instructing job. Because I still love teaching and I love flying. And that's why flight instructing was perfect for me. (laughs) Tom, you're a flight instructor, right?
1: Yep, I just renewed uh, CFWI, and I've got the AGI. I just renewed it all. And, and as you were reading there, you know, I'm, um, I look out the door of my office. And my piano is staring at me, saying, "Trade that girl flight instruction for piano lessons." <laughs> 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 if I was near Northern California, I'd, I'd ask for her number and arrange that. <laughs> well, that's, that's
0: great. Hey, we got something there. So you, you know, you <laughs> might get maybe you'll get a free flighting lesson out of it. Who knows? <laughs> Well, thanks so much for that. By the way, uh she mentioned Thanksgiving in, in Odessa, Midland, you know, Texas. And you know, I love it out there and I love the people, but I had a tough time finding a place to to find Thanksgiving dinner and, and that's uh Len Costa who was the former host of Stuck Mike Avcast. He he and I uh were trying to find some place and you know, I had a reputation of always being able to find fun things to do. Well that was a challenge <laughs> on that day. Uh we wound up some buffet somewhere. It was okay. I mean it was good. It was just fun to be around but you know some of some of my best stories, and you've heard them on the road, have been during the holidays and how people have been so giving. You know, when I was on the road during Thanksgiving and got to spend it with somebody else's family, they opened their doors to me and said, "Hey, come on in and and uh, have a dinner with us." That was probably the one Thanksgiving that I remember the most. And uh, you know, here's somebody giving back to me and uh, giving back to society and you know we're we're done with the questions but just remember that i mean think about not just your career and what you can do for yourself but you know how you can make a difference you know have a have a lifestyle and have a career in and, and be involved in something that that really is important to you and is going to fulfill your dreams and satisfy your goals and and really go to the core of who you are uh, this job is in aviation is just one thing. It's one dream. It's one avenue. We all have other dreams in life. You know, I've, I've related with you. I love lighthouses. Someday I dream of owning one. I'm going to do that someday. Don't know when, don't know how, but it's going to happen. And, and you may have o- other dreams. They may be off the wall like what I just mentioned. Uh, but we all have that common dream of flight. And whether it's we want to fly an airplane or just love to look at those planes... Um, you know, we we all have that common passion. Tom does, I do, and and that's the reason we're here listening today. But I hopefully, if you have listened to these questions, you've learned something from our answers, and I hope that you'll keep moving forward towards your career goal, whether that's working part time, full time, teaching on the side, becoming a corporate pilot, uh, maybe becoming a pipeline patrol pilot, uh, flying jumpers, uh, flying for the airlines, flying a wide body around the world whatever it may be just make sure it fits into you and what it is you want to do and then take that first step make sure you take that first step towards that career goal and do it now you know if you're in the car you know obviously wait a while stop write it down <laughs> but uh p- take that first step towards your career goal and, and please write us in let us know what you've done uh we'll we'll share that on here uh also if you like the podcast do do me a favor uh go to the side of the screen there and and uh, click on some of our uh our our sponsors there and and go visit them and, and see what they've been doing that's really some amazing stuff and consider becoming a member uh, whether you're interested in the, the products as far as the scholarships or listening to some of my videos i do some technical videos uh, from all my lectures i do many many i've done over 100 lectures for the faa on safety and that's been over my past 14 years as a, a safety lecturer for them and so some of those I, i've been putting out there and we have so many more courses matter of fact, the Pilot Jaws book Tom Wachowski produced, that's out there on the website, too, as becoming a, a, a member, an annual member, which is only $50 if you pay up front for a year or $5 a month, and we let you cancel at any time. Well, Tom, I appreciate your being here today. I, I yeah. I really thank you for taking your time, and, and you know, I really enjoy the podcast that you do, the Private Jet podcast. And uh, honestly, if you're looking at a career, uh, in aviation and corporate aviation, I, I'd suggest listening to that because uh, there's other career fields that you talk about there. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of technical and it's it talks about the business, but you get a really good feel of what corporate aviation is about. So, uh, you know, if you're interested in that cor- corporate jobs, you know, look at Tom's website, the Private Jet Podcast, and, uh, you know, that you might find something that really you find of interest and in, in understand the actual role that these people play in corporate aviation.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me back, Carl. It's, it's always fun answering these questions. You have you have a really uh, good audience that asks good questions, so it's it's fun to listen to them and uh, provide some perspective and and help where I can. And uh, yeah, and, and and you know, you'd mentioned the the private jet podcast, and we do talk pretty uh, intricate on there, but uh, it does have to do with other careers in aviation. For example, just this month, we've uh, interviewed a financial analyst. So maybe people listening who are accountants and want to be in aviation, you know, they can learn that there is an avenue there for them if they want to cross that bridge. So, yeah, th- thanks again for uh, having me on the show and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again one day.
0: Well, Tom, I appreciate it. And uh, folks, if you're listening right now, I appreciate you, you writing in. I appreciate you listening. Uh, if you have a story, please go to com slash contact and fill out the form there. Also, if you have any questions, uh, send us your emails. Either I, Tom Wachowski, or, uh, or Eric Crump, or any of the other hosts we've had on today, they'll answer your questions. I usually forward the uh, questions on to them, and uh, if it's in their area of expertise, they'll help you out. Once again, thanks for listening. Safe line. We'll talk to you next episode.